We've got some hey, fresh I'm new Luis. Young talent and I'm Luis. And you're listening you to the Content is Profit One, podcast. Two, and we spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn how to turn that content into profit, just go to contentisprofit.com. Oh, yeah, baby. Ooh, today, special PodMax episode. Woo. And I'm excited about this one. Yes. Our guest was extremely proactive. And we're going to be talking all about how to leverage the skill set of systems creation. This speaks to me, Fonzie. This speaks to me. And wealth building, which is... Oh, it speaks I, I to think me, this too. this speaks to everybody. To everybody. I yes. know, I know. All right, guys, before we get started, go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button so you know stories like this are dropping on your phone every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturday. So you can enjoy them. And follow us on social media, <laughs> at Base Bros Go. That is right. And please, if you find this episode impactful and you believe somebody that you know could benefit from hearing from it, please, please don't forget to share it and, and leave a five-star review. Thank you. Special episode alert. We partner with PodMax to share the stories of some of the amazing people that are shaping our future. People that are taking their ideas and turning them into reality. These stories are meant to empower you to build the future you want. Oh, yeah, guys. And today's guest, Ooh. like we said, is absolutely epic. Yes. And his superpower yes. is looking at things from a macro point of view and understanding what is the next best thing to do. Wouldn't that be a superpower that we want to have in our business? I know. I, I hope you had that superpower. I'm I not know. sure. I mean, yeah. I'm doing my best over here. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Guess what, guys? After working 15 years in the corporate world, he transitioned and built his own business alongside his wife. Ooh, I think that so is good. one of the best parts. I think that is so meaningful right there. And they managed to build a $5 million real estate rental portfolio. And now they teach other entrepreneurs how to turn $25,000 into a multi-million dollar rental portfolio. I know. I know yes. my wife, Katie, is listening to this. And she's <laughs> going to be like, Luis, please go. Let's, let's do let's this. Do please, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? You know, they have taught over 100 entrepreneurs how to do exactly that through their value at real estate investing strategy. Huh. So, know. Katie, you know, we, we might have to go, go meet Needy in person. But, but what saying. is the fun fact? I love the, his fun fact. I, I know. So this fun fact, he used to be part of the rock band where he played the keyboard and sang. So maybe, maybe for part two, I don't think for part one, but for part two, we might be able to, you know, do a, a, a duet with you on the guitar, hey. he on the keyboards, and I'll just watch. I definitely uh, need to practice yeah. for that. This company is... Open Space Capital. So you guys know, if you want to check more yes. about what he's doing, as his incredible value add, real estate investing strategy, go check him out at Open Space Capital. Please welcome master strategist, real estate connoisseur, and maybe the next member of your rock band, Nitty Jamdar. <laughs> welcome, Nitty. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love the intro and I, I got to tell you guys, I love your show. I'm so happy to be on a guest on here. <laughs> Thank you so much. We, we're so excited to have you here, man. Like, like we said at the very beginning, you were so proactive introducing yourself, sending us an email and we love everything about that. Yeah. I mean, the second we got that, right, it was like, Okay, new standards for us when we go to other shows, right? Because yep. uh, that, that's so impressive. So 
I mean, I'm sure that you're the master of high-level strategy, and I can't wait to dive into that, right, and, and relationship building. And before we went on camera, we were chatting just a little bit about that. But before we get into all of that and the real estate goodness and Gucci Gucci stuff that's coming <laughs> out there, right, tell us a little bit, how does that journey start for you, right? It's uh, it's not often that, you know, we interview, well, it, uh, I mean, people so knowledgeable like you, and we're very interested in their backstories and how, how that fire got ignited. Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, you know, we, uh, my wife and I were uh, both in sort of corporate jobs. This is about five years back, five or six years back. Um, and we were kind of, you know, on the traditional journey of that most people kind of follow, right? So society tells you to get a good education. And I got a couple of master's degrees. And then people say, oh, get a good job out of college. And I did, did that. And Uh, so I did everything by the book, right? The kind of everything that society tells you to do. Mm. Um, and I thought I was uh, heading down the right path because that's what people tell you to do. Mm. But what I realized was that even though I was achieving all these goals, where I was in life, it didn't meet the vision that I had for my life. Mm. Right. Mm. And, um, and everything kind of changed when we had our first, uh, when we had our first kid. So we had a daughter And I was looking at her and, you know, nothing, nothing makes you question your life choices like a crying baby in your hands, right? <laughs> I can I looked definitely at her. relate. Yeah, I have a two-year-old, so yes. <laughs> There you go. And I looked at her, I was like, wait, um, you know, something needs to change, right? Like we, I, I didn't have, other than a big mortgage and a, and a good car, I didn't have a lot of wealth to show for everything that I'd done. Um, you know, I, there wasn't, I would have to work till I was 60 or 65. If I continued down the same path, yeah. life was really stressful. I couldn't really see my kids and family whenever I wanted because I was always at, at work. And so like something needs to change. Right. And that was kind of the light bulb moment where like, all right, I need to do something about this. And, you know, I sort of looked at different opportunities and, and real estate sort of came up. Uh, wow. Yeah. But, but you have a pretty interesting pre-real estate background too, right? Like be, besides doing your life by the book, right? You work for some Fortune 100 companies, right? So you made it pretty high in what people would call the corporate ladder. And I'm sure you learned some valuable skills along the way that helped you build your real estate empire that you have right now, right? And I'm extremely curious, what are some of those skills And did you develop those consciously or it was just uh, kind of like a product of the journey? Yeah, I love that question. I mean, so, um, you know, when I was in corporate, uh, as you said, I, I was doing I was working really hard and doing all the right things. So I got promoted every couple of years and I was in different leadership programs in the company. Mm -hmm. So I was rising up fast. Right. Um, and I thought in my mind back then that professional career in corporate has nothing to do with entrepreneurship, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I can't be an entrepreneur because I, nobody ever taught me to be like an entrepreneur, so I can never be good at it. Um, but what I realized was that all the skills that I was learning in corporate can actually be used, are, are so useful when you start an entrepreneurship journey, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, there's some mindset shifts, but the skills that I was learning, like building teams, right? Setting strategic goals and kind of before you even start doing something or yeah. before you figure out your, what your goals are, you need to figure out, okay, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? And is this the best way to do it? And then once you figure that out, what are your, what are the knowledge gaps, right? Like how do you figure out what you need to learn to be able to get good at mm. achieving that goal? 
and then working with teams and getting everybody on board and selling your vision. So I was learning all these skills that I didn't really realize I, I could actually apply it on the business side. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but but it can. You totally can. I, I, I love it. So we've we've had people in the show that they come straight from entrepreneurship side of things where mm -hmm. like they don't even give a try to the corporate world right there's some people that give it a little try and they're like oh, i'm frustrated with like the situation or whatever's happening there and then they they find a solution to their and, and go chase their passion right and and like once you said and like how you mentioned you went all the way to that high level and i think like we haven't had the chat with somebody that got to that point do you consider that that was really helpful like in your journey to be able to execute today and will you recommend people at least give it a try like a legit try where it's like okay i might be frustrated today but let me let me evolve a little bit on this journey with a company and learning those skills so then i can perform better right because we have both both views we've had people that have reached the top and they're like oh my god this worked for me like i'm very thankful to that journey even though like i wasn't fulfilled and now i'm able to execute my mission but there's some people that from the very beginning like us for example i didn't even give it a try i was like heck no i'm not going that route right and and i've learned along the way you know, hitting walls, I'm hitting walls. And that's fine. Like that's, that's what I chose to do. Uh, so what would you, how's your vision? Like, would you recommend people like follow, follow your heart? What, like give it a try, even if you don't like it, what, what's the, what's the lesson behind that? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I tell people who are in corporate uh, and who've, you know, done, that's all they've done. Um, don't believe it when people tell you that you, you can't be an entrepreneur right? That's not true. Like people used to tell, like my parents, like when I decided to, you know, do real estate full-time, my parents were like, wait, what are you crazy? Like you're throwing away your career. Like that's all you've worked for all your life. Mm -hmm. um, but that's because most people don't know any better either, right? Mm -hmm. So don't, don't get into this notion that you can't really uh, cut it as an entrepreneur just because you've worked in corporate. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would totally, um, and look, uh, it's you don't have to suddenly just quit your job uh, in corporate and then, you know, take the plunge right away. Right. So yeah. there's, you can kind of ease into it. So what we did, my wife and I, we kind of eased into it. So uh, my wife first quit her job uh, yeah. three or four years back and we were like, all right, we'll figure this out. And we had a couple of rentals by then and we had enough income coming in. They were like, all right, we can, she can quit her job now. Yeah. And then we built our income more and more and built, keep building the assets that we were buying and then a point came and I'm like, all right, now I can, uh, you know, quit my full-time job and, and join her in the business. Yeah. So you can totally ease into it rather than just like going cold turkey and be like, I'm going to yeah. quit my job. And, and <laughs> yeah, uh, we can tell for experience that going cold turkey might not be the best option out there. <laughs> causes a lot of stress. I know. But I mean, yes. Just so you know, when Fonzie's stressed, he, he, pimples show up all over his face. So the first yeah, year I, of business, he was just a pimple. <laughs> uh, just full of pimples. I just became a, a big pimple. But Nidhi, I love this. And I know you mentioned a mindset, a mindset shift along your journey, right? And I'm curious because I have this feeling that even though you went, like, I have this feeling that you never actually thought, or maybe you gave it some thought, but put it in the back of your head, the thought of being an entrepreneur. You were like, I just want to be successful in the corporate ladder, right? So when that changed, right, when your when your son was born, and or your daughter, if I'm not mistaken, when your daughter was born, daughter, yep. and, and, yep. and you started questioning things, what took for you to 
changed that mindset? What was that mindset shift that happened? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that might find themselves in the corporate world that they have never even give entrepreneurship uh, a thought about, right? Like they, they've never wondered if they could be an entrepreneur yeah. and that might be the answer to the problems that they're currently having, right? So we often talk that having awareness is the first step to solving a problem, right? And with that awareness comes a, a mental shift, right? A mindset shift. So I'm extremely curious on what what was that for you? How did that look like? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, as you said, awareness, right? And and that's, that's kind of like, um, when, when I had my daughter, that was kind of, it hit me pretty hard. And um, what most of us are taught to do in society or in corporate is you work through the pain, right? That's the, that's what the, the message the society gives us. Look, you push through the pain and you get through it and you'll, you know, your kids are small. Once they're five or six, a little bit older, it'll get easy. Just push through the pain. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't want to push through the pain. Mm. I don't want to push through the pain because I don't like this reality and I'm going to change my reality. So for me, my why was so strong that, and you know, it's funny, like I used to tell, uh, when I used to have bad days at, at work, I used to come and tell my wife, I was like, you know what? Oh, oh my God. Um, even though I love my job and I love what I do, um, but I, this is the reason why I, I keep reminding myself that I want to build a business and not do this for you know for for yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, right. And you gotta you gotta feel that pain. Don't let go of that pain because that pain is gonna guide you through even when you're failing in your business or something is not going as fast as you want. That yeah. why kind of stays with you and that kind of gives you that motivation. Yeah, that that's interesting. And literally, the last two days I've been obsessed with this song. It's called "Skin in the Game." Right. And I was like, oh, it has a such a good uh, like vibe. I love it. And then I started looking at the lyrics because a lot of the times I don't really understand <laughs> the full lyrics until I actually look them up. And part of the song talks about embracing that pain. Right. It's like talking about loving that pain. And it got me thinking, it's like, wow, like actually with action comes a lot of that. Right. But that can act, like you said, as fuel to keep moving forward. I think that is so so important and thank you thank you for sharing really i, I yeah. have some questions and i i know i want to do a transition here to uh systems uh processes and wealth creation but i, I don't know if my brother <laughs> no, wants to chime in before uh, no i think i think that this is a perfect time to do that and and why is because the, over the last few weeks we've talked a lot about frameworks and how we can make decisions easier going through frameworks and the systems that we built right and uh, um when we started the the agency side of things there's zero systems, zero <laughs> frameworks, right? We're like, we're just gonna do, right? Execute, 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 right? A couple of years ago. And it, it, it went crazy. We, yeah. we went crazy. We're like, okay, how can we scale this? How can we even hire somebody to, to do something that we can't do anymore? Or how can we delegate our time and mm -hmm. different things, right? And it wasn't until we understood the concept of a framework and a system and we started building them, right? And continue to improve them here and here and there. And, uh, you know, for those listening that are interested in content, that's what we do, right? The M2M is a system that we created to maximize the efforts, right? From long format, uh, for long format content creation set of things to leverage, right? And yeah. and that's why we were able to plug in team members, right? And for us, maybe that's a smaller scale to what you're used to, but I'm very interested to, to know when was your start in the system side of things, in frameworks, what are, what are your general thoughts and how do you apply those today? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So, um, you know, I, I always learned systems and, and processes at, at work at, on the corporate side, but 
I changed how I applied them when I came to the business, mm. right? Because what happens is in corporate, the teams are already predefined. Yeah. So you you all so when you're going sort of running a project, you just rely on the different teams to kind of do the work that they're doing. You focus on what you're supposed to. So it's a little bit easier in that sense. But when you come in the business, you're like, wait a minute, like. Now I got to build the teams and I got to figure out what I do versus what other people do. Right. And what, what we, what I would recommend, what we did was you figure out what you're one, what you're really, really good at. And two, what your superpower is, right. As, as you guys use that word a lot, like what's your superpower yeah. and two, um, does that does that bring you money right is it profitable if you're if you're really good at something but it doesn't make you money then it's not worth doing it right mm. because what why would you do that so it need you need to be really really good at it it needs to make you money and you want to have fun doing it yeah so if those three criteria are met like i'm going to um you know do that uh, for the business and i'm going to outsource the rest right mm. so for so if i talk about real estate for example I'm big on outsourcing stuff and not doing everything that you need to do, right? So there's two things in real estate that you can never outsource. Uh, and I'm just using real estate as an example, but yeah. you can use it for any business, right? So for real estate, deal analysis and finance are two things that you can never outsource because those are the things that you need to know. So finding good deals and knowing what a good deal is yeah. and then how to find the money. Money is the you know, the most important thing for any business, right? Understanding finance and understanding money. Yeah. So those two things you can never outsource. Everything else, we figured out how to outsource it to different people so that we're focusing on things that we're good at and that make us money and we just outsource the rest. I, I love it. I love it. And that, that is something that we learned pretty late along our, our journey <laughs> that was the fact of focusing on the things that move the needle forward, right? And that's what you're talking about, the, those deal analysis and, and finance, right? For us is proactively building the relationships that are going to create those deals, right? And often, and actually I was having a conversation yesterday with one of our mentors, Jerry McNamara, and he was telling me like, people love to just feel like they're doing something in the business, by distracting themselves, you know, doing the logo, working on the website. Like, <laughs> yeah. those are things that first, they're not 100% necessary to actually make money and build your business, but people think they are. And because they're afraid of doing the actual things that are going to move the needle forward, now they start doing and taking on those activities. So the question for me, and I think it is going to go back to, to the pain probably, but is what you know, what keeps you focused on those two things? And and do you have a framework to delegate, outsource, prior, prioritize your activities? If so, how, how does that look like? Fantastic question. So um, so I think for us, it's, it's almost down to a science now for our business, right? Uh, but what happens is that even when you are very intentional about, okay, this is what I'm going to work on because it's the most profitable thing to do, Um, there'll still be times when you don't uh, look at it that you start other activities start, start creeping in that you start working on and you're like, wait a minute, like why am I working on this? Because this is not that important. So what we do is we um, every week uh, or so we sit down and we kind of say, what do we need to um, automate, mm. delegate or eliminate? Mm. Right. Those three things. And we look at all the things that we are working on and we can say, all right, you know what? This just doesn't need to be done because it's not adding any value. Um, or let's just find a team to outsource it. Um, or, or can be automated through systems. Yeah. 
and um, or you know technology and and that's that's worked pretty well and you still have to keep reminding yourself every week because things can creep in and you'll start because especially in a business you wear so many yeah. hats yourself that things are going to come on and you got to constantly sort of remind yourself yeah, yeah. I, cool. i i absolutely love this part and i, I think that's something that uh, while well, we call golden boulder for sure yeah. um because right I, i've been lately been geeking out on on time tracking right and uh, you know fancy introduced me to this wonderful tool where like you flip the little thing and it tracks your time right and i've been very conscious on on my tracking because i've been able to identify areas in my day where well first of as soon as i i i, I changed the setting i'm like execution time so now i do things right because then we, it it, yeah. it avoids us from distractions but then later we can measure those outputs right that we put into our job and be like okay with following your framework as in what can we automate how, what can we delegate or you know or eliminate now we can make that decision based on data right so one of the things we have a challenge going on right now with uh about 100 people that came into our group going live on Facebook for 45 days straight right and it can become a little challenging after like day 15 or so we started seeing people were like oh my god like this is crazy and we're start okay start measuring right what is your time because sometimes our perceived time in our head it might be very different to the actual execution time right so it's like start measuring what is your capacity around specifically for us content creation for a business like you on real estate well what is the time that you're spending finding those deals or you know delegating or xyz right but start measuring because then you're going to be able to make that decision so That did not start there, right? So mm-hmm. so my question to you because I struggled with that for the longest time was how do I find like what was the transition point between not doing that to doing it, right? You come from a corporate background so uh it's very is very mechanic very specific the things and the tasks that, that we can do but for an entrepreneur first if they don't really know what they're good at like how, how what's the first step there, right? Because in my mind i think we were decent at, at many things and also we like we dive in into many things as well to kind of test things out yeah. and then we absolutely love it but then we're like okay what are we actually really good at and that was a really challenging question to answer in order to to move on so yeah. how can we spot that first time we're like oh that is the one thing let, let me add to that question too how do people because we love like my brother said just diving in and learning stuff we just love learning how to do stuff and then we had this fear of <laughs> letting go uh, stuff right so it took yeah. us like three years to actually get to hire someone to help us for the first time <laughs> yeah so how do they let go of that fear as well yeah no that's a, both awesome questions i think um you know for us um i'll tell you for me personally like i it's it's very difficult to know what you're good at yourself because you don't know anything else. like all you know is what you've done in your life mm. right and so the way i got to know how i good uh, how was how i was good at certain things was external feedback mm. right so people used to tell me hey niti like you're really good at this thing man and i was like oh i didn't even realize it came so naturally to me that i didn't even think that i was good at it but i was really good at it right yeah. and um and that's how you kind of learn so always ask each other especially if you guys are partners in the business that's great because you can give each other that feedback and it's the same with my wife and I um mm. and also um with my wife and I we're very different people and we bring different skills to the table so she uh, so she's always like she's a hustler she's like I'm she takes on like so many things <laughs> and she's like and she gets it done right yeah. for me uh, and for me I, sometimes I'll be like all right no why are we doing this because we don't need to be doing it and um so we balance each other out 
sometimes when she's doing too much i'll be like no no we don't need to work on this and sometimes when i'm getting a little lazy she'll be like no no you better, you better <laughs> work on this stuff because it needs to get done right so you, yeah. you kind of figure out that that uh Uh, balance with each other right? yeah yeah I, I, cool. i love it and and thank you because i mean uh, you know we've been in, interviewed in a couple of couples podcasts too and we're like we're, we're real brothers we, we're not <laughs> we're, we're not together together anyways but the thing is like uh it, it's been hilarious right because also our relationship in the working space is is like that right it's like, okay we gotta find out like who's good at what you know fonzi is amazing are coming up with these amazing ideas and like hey let's go dream go to the crazy zone right But when it comes to execution, I feel like we need a little bit of work there. And we've yeah, talked about yeah, this, right? And then on my <laughs> end, right, I tend to, like, focus too much on, like, the processes and dive, like, very deep and then yeah. let go of the crazy zone area. So we're trying to constantly find that balance. And I remember yesterday we actually had a conversation where I was like, hey, Fonzie, look what I built this week. Like, that was my project this week. I, I built my weekly framework. I'm, I'm building these uh, containers, right? And shout out to George Bryan, who was a guest on the show. And he talks about this a lot. Those containers that we can execute without anything interfering, like leaking out or leaking in, right? Like calls or like discovery calls, all this kind of stuff. Like let's set those boundaries, right? So I didn't have those boundaries. They were, they were very loose within my week. And then mm. as I started tracking, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm getting so distracted, right? And I think George shares, like it, it takes about 27 minutes for our brains to kind of go back into focus mode, right? Um, so that to me was like, holy crap, I'm losing so much time on execution. So I was very, I'm like, I'm building those containers to be able to do that. I'm like, hey, Fonzie, here, here's something that we can actually do, come together, let's do this and then let's execute and reassess yeah. and come back to it so it's so important to to go back and receive that feedback you know we talk about that I ideal process of even on the product on the content but also in our day-to-day -day frameworks on how we operate i think that's so important and so many people yeah. miss it because we're so focused on the inter external side of things right the external results yeah uh, I, i want to point out something here Nidhi, that you said and i actually want to challenge the listeners to go and do this you said the external feedback to determine what you're good at That was that you, I don't know if you heard it, but my brother and I both were like, whoa, right? Like <laughs> yes. that was a great moment yeah, because like, often yeah. I feel like we, I feel like most people believe they have to figure out what they're good at by themselves. But the fact that we're getting objectives, point of views, telling you what you're actually good at is, it, it, I feel like it just opens the door for a whole new way of thinking. Because now you're like, wow, I'm really good at this. Am I, do I actually enjoy doing this? And if it's a yes, it's a match right there too, right? So it is so important. So I want to challenge the listeners to go and ask five of your closest, <laughs> I'm not just going to say friends, but like business people around you, right? Someone that is going to give you an objective point of view and ask them, what am I good at, right? What am I really good at? And write those those down, because I, I think maybe the, the the answers might surprise you. Yeah. I'm going to go and ask people now, but I'm like, <laughs> what am I good at, right? And so They're going to be like, uh, coffee. Coffee. In general. <laughs> Drinking coffee. Drinking coffee. Yeah, Nidhi, this is amazing. So now let's transition a little bit into the, the wealth building, because I am surprised when I read that you teach people how to turn a $25,000 investment into a multi-million dollar rental portfolio. Is that a $25,000 like liquid that they must have? Is that a loan that they can get? Like, how does that process look like? Yeah, so um, that $25,000 could be, uh, you, you don't necessarily have to have it cash when you start. Uh, it's always good if you do, uh, but you could even have it in like a 401k account. 
Hmm. Or, you know, you could have like equity in your house. A lot, if you own a house, if there's a lot of equity in your house, you can borrow it against the house. So there's different ways to come up with 25,000. Um, but the key is once you have that, you that's literally all you need. That's how we started. Right. So when we started, we didn't have a lot of cash, even though we were both earning really well, we didn't have a lot of cash because we always used to spend it all on things mm. and on buying things, which is not wow. good. And then but we, we didn't start with a lot of money. So we started with twenty five thousand and we built it into this portfolio in three years. Right. Um, wow. So it's it's very, very doable. And that's what that's what we teach people, because um, one of the most powerful things about real estate is that you can leverage your money. Right, a bank is not going to give you a loan to invest in the stock market. A bank is going to give you a loan to uh, invest in real estate because that's a collateral that the bank can can use. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the power of real estate. Oh, uh, okay. Mm. Love it. And we might have to do a part two just on wealth creation side of things, Nidhi. Just saying that we we can dive in and, and dissect this. We were chatting yet the other day that we. We've connected with amazing real estate people. And the more and the more that we talked about this, this was something that was completely unknown for us. You know, we come from Venezuela. Markets there are very different than here, at least on our back, personal background with our family. Nobody in our family really invested. We have a couple properties back home, but, you know, it, it's not to the level that people might be using it here, right? So I'm very interested on that side of things. But something that really stuck with me, because we use this word a lot, leverage, right? We use content to leverage uh, relationship building, you know, strategic partnerships, different things that can benefit both parties, right? So on your point of view, uh, can you define leverage like within the real estate world, like the money? Because a lot of people understand or everybody that's coming in it, into the real estate world, they don't, they might not understand that or they wow. can be like, debt is like death, right? <laughs> I remember the first time I, I chatted with my wife and me too, like that was the thing, like my misconception is like debt is, is death. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I remember or that actually when we were coming for the first time to the yeah. US, he was saying like, try to pay everything for cash, like don't go into <laughs> debt for anything. So that, that goes stuck in our mind, right? And it, it is a false belief that I have now, I realize after getting to know very successful people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you're spot on. So, you know, it's funny you say that because so my wife and I both grew up in India and in India is the same way. So uh, everything you buy for cash, people like when we were growing up, there were no credit cards in India, right? Mm -hmm. um, and everything was in cash. You would buy a house for a cash and car and people used to save up for like 10, 15 years to buy a house because that's wow. the only way you can buy a house. Um, so it was a big mindset shift for us when we got to the US. We're like, wait a minute, like a bank is willing to give you so much money for such a low interest rate. We're at historical low interest rates right now. Like you can get a house for 3% interest or 3.5%, even lower. Yeah. And that's basically free money. That's like keeping up with inflation, right? Inflation is around 2%. Mm. Wow. So yeah. a bank is willing to give you money. So instead of me spending $100,000 to buy a house, um, I can spend $25,000 and I can buy four houses, right? Instead yeah. of buying one house. So now I just quadrupled my returns because I'm going to leverage my money. So that's that's where the power is. And yeah. I totally agree that it's a mindset shift. But if you leverage responsibly, it's it's so powerful. Uh, so, yeah, so, cool. so good. Yes. I know we've <laughs> talked about it the other day. Uh, you know, we we're sitting here at the office and it, crazy, crazy zone time, right? And we we're like, okay, you know what? What is really the end game of what we're doing right now, right? Because we started from literally making vinyl stickers, you know, by hand. That that's really how the 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 business side of things yeah. started. And Fossey Shakes, he says like, oh my god, I don't miss those days. And yeah, then we we screen printing T-shirts and and we didn't really understand the power of of leverage, the power of delegating, all these amazing things that you're sharing with us today, right? And as we evolve in our journey, you know, five six years 
years later, you know, we we now have a team. Uh, it's it's incredible because now we're leveraging, you know, the the, the time. They love what they do. They're extremely passionate. You know, we we enjoy editing, but not anymore. And the guy that does the whole editing for us and has a, his agency on his side, he, he builds computers. Like, that's his thing, right? And he loves it and adores it. So uh, as as we're dreaming, right, we're like, okay, what is the end game, right? And it's like, okay, we need to leverage this asset that we're creating right now with our company yep. to to how can we achieve the bigger goals that we have, right? Like maybe go back, uh, go and help back home, right? We yeah. have amazing Venezuelan friends that are doing wonderful things. How can we add to that amazing equation here in the States? How can we help our family, right? And then these questions start to realize and we start meeting people like you and we're like, okay, that's that might be the answer, right? Leveraging the assets, leveraging the money, leveraging the relationships, right? On a mutual beneficial relationship, it's not that you know we're, we're throwing people under the bus. Absolutely yeah. not, right? And and I think it does take that mindset shift, right? And, and it's conversation with unity and i'm gonna encourage you to please please continue to have these conversations and um, putting your voice out there because people need to to know this uh with, with your experience so definitely we're gonna have to do part two on uh wealth building just alone yeah so uh we can I, do like a crash course yeah <laughs> I, I know time is running out right and just to complete the thought of my brother i don't know if you actually completed i, I know too. i know I on, didn't. on the end game we started <laughs> thinking like okay how can we get to that real estate investing level when now we have quote unquote, right? I'm doing air here, the passive income, right? Because it, it is never passive, to be honest, right? <laughs> but for us, was like, well, our goal is gonna have to be build a company to a certain point that then we can sell it for a certain amount of money and then we can use that money to invest in real estate. So then we can get that passive income i'm doing air quotes again uh coming our way so then we can we have our time now we have a lot of time that we can leverage into doing other things that we're very passionate about or investing into other businesses recently we have geeked out about <laughs> buying other businesses as well um very cool stuff but needy I, we're so pumped up you, i'm sure you can tell that this has been so excited yeah. i want to invite you before we close this conversation down to share some of those success stories that you've had because you've you guys had a few <laughs> and by few i mean oh, like over a hundred successful stories so sh share a few of those yeah yeah absolutely so um you know we have we have a program where we basically coach exactly how to do what we did uh, which is you take $25,000 and turn it into a multi-million dollar portfolio. So, um, you know, we have a lot of rock star students. Um, so the, you know, one of them is, is Lais, who's, who's incredible. She graduated from the program, I want to say three months back. Wow. Uh, she already has 11 units. Um, and, you know, she bought like a few single family homes. She just bought an eight unit building. Uh, so we have like so many of these success stories where people are on their, you know, uh, five plus 10 plus units wow. uh, in a very short period of time. And Incredible. the best part about the strategy is that you can, you put in the money and you force the appreciation because you're doing the rehab piece. So you buy a distressed property, you rehab it and you're forcing the appreciation and then you rent it out. So what that does is that you use the same money that you use on that first property and you pull it back out when the project is done and use the same money and recycle it for your next project. Right? So that's why it, it removes the capital constraint. So yeah. we have so many success stories very quickly because it's it's a great strategy. That's wow. amazing. Dude, Nidhi, where can people find more about you, about your program? Where can they go? We're going to put all those links right in the description so can people can just get in contact with you guys. Where are they going? So uh, you can find me um, either on LinkedIn, uh, just look for Niti Jamdar. 
you can we have a uh, free Facebook group where we're always we just did a um, one hour session where we went through goal setting for 2021. If you're looking to build a portfolio, um, it's called real estate investing with busy professionals. Um, you can you can check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, we you can reach out to me, DM me, uh, whatever you like. I, I love it. I, I love how you you your evolution like you you know from this corporate world and then yeah. you you took action you guys implemented you guys had massive success and now you're giving back to a lot of people that might be looking for that same solution right and in the entrepreneurial world we, we've seen uh, a lot of people doing that but you know the way that you guys do it with real estate and your own story your own case how you guys started is so relatable yeah. so uh, i mean what, what you guys are building is not just wealth is generational wealth <laughs> so you're just not helping that one student that is graduating yeah. but you're helping probably you know their kids their grandkids uh, who know their parents too you know like you, you guys are helping so many people and that is so exciting and i love the way you guys are doing it and nidhi honestly i i, I love everything about you and your <laughs> wife like you, you have such a good energy so i do want to encourage listeners right now to go and contact nidhi Go on LinkedIn, Nidhi Jambar. Please look him up. We're going to leave the links below. So scroll down, click in there, and send him a message. Connect. Yeah. Hey, Nidhi, before we head out, is there anything that we miss that you might want to share? Maybe an action point for people to, like, if they're stuck right now on their maybe entrepreneurial journey, like, what can they do or to get us on the corporate journey, right? What can they do? Yes, that's a great. So one last thought that I'll leave you, leave you with is I think if you're, if you're, planning to either do real estate or join real estate at some point. Um, first, think about your vision, right? Think about where like 10, 15 years down where you want to be. You want to have time on your hands. You want to have generational wealth, whatever it is, right? Whatever is mm. important to you. Once you have that vision, then figure out a real estate strategy that, that works for you, right? What is that strategy going to be? There's so many ways to make money in real estate. Figure out what that one thing is for you. And once you know that strategy, and we love the the value add investing strategy because it works very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever that strategy is for you, once you figure out that strategy, then figure out okay, uh, how can I get there? What are the gaps in my knowledge that I can fill? Uh, who can I learn that from? Right, um, and and learn those skills, and then. Once you once you have the skills, then just obsess about achieving them. Don't I always say obsess, don't dabble, <laughs> because a lot of yeah. people like do a little bit here and there. You got obsess about it until you achieve it. So that's that's mm. my Ooh. sort of two cents. That's awesome. Obsess, don't dabble. I'm yes. ra- I'm writing this down. I feel like I do dabble a lot, so I'm gonna maybe tattoo that on my <laughs> on my arm, Nidhi, so I can read it every single day. Yes. Dude, Nidhi, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Again, open invitation for the part two on the wealth creation and dive deep into these amazing strategies. We'll be students of the master at that point. And uh, hopefully people from the audience can can join too. So with that said, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button and follow us on social media at BizBrosco. That is right. And if you find this episode impactful and you want to build generational wealth, Please, please go and contact Nidhi. And if you enjoyed it, share the episode as well. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. Thank you. Bye, guys.